0: I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello and welcome to the Thoughts on Money Podcast. What we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast, and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And I'm here in Hawaii. We're gonna be recording remote while Mr. Sean Latimer is in our normal office in Newport Beach. That's right. But uh,
1: I thought I thought you were gonna take the week off. You're not supposed to be recording remote. I know. I'm going
0: to have to do it next week as well. Basketball was not the same today. It was not the same without Trevor Cummings, huh? We skipped last week. I had had some guests in town, so uh, I didn't want to leave people without a couple weeks of thoughts on money. It would be too hard on their life. It's true. I don't think they could handle it. So here we are. What are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about an article I called Educating the Next Generation. So I start out with a little bit of my background on my own experience with college. Uh, When I got out of high school, There's nobody in my life really pushing or pressing or encouraging me to go to college. So I put in one application for Chico State. I got accepted. uh, And then I took that acceptance letter and I threw it in the trash. And I went to pursue a career, which is a funny word to say. I shouldn't say it that way. I went to pursue a dream of uh, racing BMX professionally. Uh, At some point in my life, probably around the age of 26, I thought, hey, probably be a good idea if I got an education. So I decided to go back to school or go to school whatever the word would be Uh, and it was it was interesting because my options I felt like were limited right because I didn't want to take student loans so I could only go to a a university that could afford to pay monthly as I went and I could only go somewhere that offered night classes because I had to work during the day so it was a unique experience what was your college experience Mr. Sean Latimer it was pretty similar because
1: um, out of high school we both found success working for the same company, and uh, it was an interesting time because when you start making money, and you look around to some of your peers who are, you know, finishing school and and struggling to find a job, it was kind of the timing too. You know, uh, it was around 2009, 2010, where um, I had a lot of friends graduating college and they're really struggling finding a job to begin with, and so it it almost reinforced that wow, I'm making pretty good money now, and I'm good at what I do, and I, I didn't feel uh, really driven to go and finish school at the time, but then uh, I kind of came to that same realization that you know I looked around at the, the corporate ladder and and I didn't really aspire to climb that ladder because uh, there, there was high turnover in almost every position, and so and I kind of found that that was going to be the case, and it made education even that more important. So um, I, I kind of did a similar path as you. I went to Cal State Fullerton, where I wanted to make sure it was a school I could afford and had a, a flexible schedule. And it, I think at the time, I, I was a little disappointed because I, I thought my options were limited because I was paying for school myself and working full time. But um, you mentioned it later in the article, I wouldn't change anything because that that adversity, I guess you'd say, made me the person I am today. And uh, yeah, it's interesting, I'll, I'll I'll go back to that as we get further in the article. but. It, it definitely changes your perspective on things.
0: It's funny because I, I feel like you presented two different uh, financial analogies there. Like you and I both were making decent money for our age and we looked at our peers and they were at school, not making any money. So we we're like, man, we made the good choice. Right. But then later on we were like, huh, there there's not a lot of future in this. Right. It was, uh, we weren't very future minded. We were like, Hey, there's like bird in the hand. We're going to kind of take this route right now, which kind of is funny because if you're, self-directing your investments and you've had some early success and you look at your peers and you're like hey i've doing a lot better than them it takes some punches in the face to realize uh, and to gain some humility so i think there's a similarity there i had a specific moment uh you and i had had the same um boss at, at our former life and i remember him kind of in like all seriousness Looking at me, and he was—I don't know—I'm trying to think. Probably thirty years older than me, and he was like, "You don't want this for your life. Like, go figure something else out." And it was like so surprising to me because I had some success there, uh, you know, in a sales role, and I'd kind of moved up the ladder slightly. And then it was like a like a shell shocked moment where I'm like, "Future self is telling me not to go this route," which I looked up to this person and I kind of aspired uh, to the role he had. So, um, yeah. I kind of hit a pivot and said, how do I figure out a way to get an education? And I'm conscious of not everybody has to go to college. Not everybody has to have a degree. I'm just saying in that moment, I felt like it was going to open doors and opportunity for me. And I believe in one sense it did.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because, as you mentioned in the article, because we didn't have, we kind of both didn't have someone encouraging us to, you know, go to school or maybe helping us save or or many options. Um, So now it motivates us a little bit more now that we're both fathers and we have little ones that we are saving in five twenty nines, and we probably are going to encourage them to go to school and help pay for it. And uh, I, I do wonder that us figuring it out ourselves almost, you know, definitely helped us uh, in the grand scheme of things. Where you know us being what we're thinking is helpful for our kids. I hope that there's balance and we're not making it too easy for them. Where you know, school's paid for, and we tell them where to apply and what internships to get. And, and we're thinking like, oh, we're going to give them better than what we had. But at the same time, um, I don't want our, either of our kids to be spoiled,
0: you know? Yeah, man, I was wondering the same thing when I was writing the article, because I was like, hey, there's no regrets on my end, because it made me who I am, right? And I wouldn't change a thing about it. But then I wonder, ah, oh, as I prepare to give my my kids more options, like how do you draw that line between hindering and helping so you know that's got to be a future thoughts on money article because it'll be a huge tangent for us but it it's definitely something that was going through my mind as I was, I was writing the article what i what i dove into next was this idea of like hey if you've experienced something in life right you know a few weeks ago we talked about the the headaches of health insurance um, now we're talking about uh, the struggles of trying to figure out a way to, to go to college so if you've experienced things like that as a planner your reaction is, hey, how do I make a long-term solution? So there's two things I want people to gather from today's discussion, today's article, is one, just this concept of planning, right? That there is a problem, that there is a long-term solution, and um, for most planning, you have to stick with it, and it takes time. So what we talked about today is this idea of funding 529 plans. Maybe you're not familiar with what a 529 plan is. It's pretty simple. All it says is that the IRS... Is going to allow you to open an account where you can save money, invest that money can grow tax free, and here's the key: it can distribute tax free if it's used for qualified education expenses. What are qualified education expenses? Most of the time, it's going to take care of a, a college university payment. Depending on what your state you're in, sometimes it can take care of uh, you know high school or grammar school as well. Speak with your advisor. Talk about that but the key is is that whatever you put into it and as it grows there's going to be some sort of future value one thing i wanted to reiterate in the article was that there's this gap in the future and let me define that gap it's the gap between what the 529 is worth right the growth and compounding over time and what you actually put into it that is the benefit that that gain you don't have to pay taxes on so one of the things i talked about in the article for my family because of my experience, because the lens with which I see financial planning, I'm actually trying to overfund those 529 plans. I'm trying to maximize that gap and try to create the most possible legal tax avoidance. The concept there is that if my kids don't use those 529 plans, I can easily change the beneficiaries to the next generation and I'm creating a long-term solution because I care about education and I'm investing in my family's education Uh, with moderation, right? It's not, when I look at my own financial plan, I have to look at my health savings account, I have to look at my retirement, I have to look at the education and have to prioritize these things and allocate dollars according to how important they are to me. Uh, But this can be a really good planning technique for people that are passionate and care about education.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's different uh, categories where people fall in. There's uh, people that, you know, they're, Doing financial planning 101 and they have, you know, little kids and they want to be able to help them um, pay for some of their college at some point. And so the idea, and you mentioned it, is the biggest benefit of 529 is really gonna be the time to give the account to grow because the growth is what is that's where the tax advantage is, right? Um, if you have a 15-year-old, it probably doesn't make sense to fund a 529 at that point. But if you have a three-year-old, then it does because you have more time for the investments to grow. And the investments themselves are different when there's a longer time horizon. It'll be more focused on stocks instead of bonds if it's getting closer to that target date. So that's kind of like the first category. Then you have another category where, let's say that they know that there's going to be leftovers, right? Where uh, they they look at this and say, uh, you know, if things continue in the path they are, and hopefully we live a long, full life, um, when that time comes, our kids are probably going to inherit some sort of money, right? Whether it's uh, in assets of real estate. Or you know retirement accounts or just overall savings. Well, if you look at the education and we've talked about this in the past, you know uh, making the case to help pay for private school or, or college education. I look at saving for college and five twenty nine is the same thing. If you look at that as an investment and you're you're giving them the funds earlier than expected, uh, the idea is by helping them, maybe you make a bigger impact on their life and their future and put them in a better environment to help themselves. Because by the time you pass away, their uh, their they're mu- they're, their situations pretty much already set, you know, they probably have their own family or kids. They've chosen a career path that money inheriting in their forties or fifties or sixties is going to make less of an impact. And then I think there's a third category and Trevor, you touched on this is if you do see yourself facing estate taxes and and you know that there will be a large amount of leftovers and a portion of it may go to uncle Sam, then uh, I, I think you're onto something here where you set up almost like an education foundation for the family and you, you fund these 529s as much as possible, that way you can help fund future education needs for almost everyone in your family. So, and that money, instead of going to taxes, it goes to, you know, nephews and nieces and future grandkids and all that good
0: stuff. Yeah, and I'm gonna highlight one of the things that Sean said is uh, he he basically said, hey, if you have a 15 year old, maybe 17 year old, right? Maybe they had a couple years till college, this planning strategy is not going to be very impactful because ultimately when money is earmarked to be used in the next couple years, right? Like if you're 16 uh, or you're, if you have a 16 year old and you're saving for when they want to go to college at 18, you're going to have two years, right? And maybe you put that in money market, maybe you earn 4% uh, tax free because uh, it will distribute for education, but it's not going to be as significant as if you're saving for a two year old and letting it compound for a long time. And that's one of the things I drew attention to in the article was that time is one of the most important ingredients in financial planning because compounding is most impactful when you let it do for a long time. So I like that Sean highlighted that. The other thing that he talked about is this idea of estate planning. There are going to be people um, that are blessed with a lot of surplus and they're going to have to figure out how do I reduce my balance sheet to avoid paying a 40% tax. Putting money into 529 plans is one way to get money out of your estate. Uh, In the way the IRS tax code currently works, you can give five years worth of a gift upfront into a 529. So if you're allowed to give $17,000 times two, if you're a married couple, which is $34,000 to an individual, you don't have to report it for gift tax you do five years up front, all of a sudden you put $170,000. So if you have seven or eight grandkids, you can imagine how that can be beneficial to get those monies out of your estate to avoid a 40% future tax, if, the big if, if you're passionate about education and that's where you wanna allocate your dollars.
1: Yeah, and one thing that, from doing hundreds of financial plans with clients, what one thing that commonly comes up is, once people have enough money to retire, and they know that they're going to be comfortable, and uh, and they know that they're going to be able to help their kids, and their kids are going to be, you know, uh, I don't want to say comfortable, but have a good starting point. Uh, one common theme is they do want to help, you know, grandkids or nieces or nephews uh, by, you know, saving money for them or helping them in the future. And I've noticed that, but they, they have kind of rules set that they don't want them to go, you know, blow it on vacations or or buy a new car or something like that. They would like it to go towards education. So, I since we know that that's a po- uh, a common theme, I, I kind of bring it up often that if people go down their bucket list of, uh, you know, they, they want to have a vacation home, they want to do family vacations, create memories, and if there's still going to be leftovers, it's really common that they want to save for their future grandkids or nieces or nephews' education. And I I haven't found a better way than the five twenty nines.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting because they're kind of underappreciated when we talk about in the financial planning world. Like the way that I look at it is if you're ever going to spend a dollar in the future on education, why wouldn't you want to do it in a way where you can avoid taxes, right? Like everybody hates paying taxes. So this idea of tax avoidance, you have to have your ears perked up when you hear about any strategy like that. Now there's a caution, right? You shouldn't just go around throwing a bunch of money and. 529 plans. If you don't care about college, uh, or you don't care about paying, you know, like I said, grammar school or high school, depending on what state you're in. If those things aren't a passion of yours, yeah, go pursue your passions. Right, like it's the same thing we talk about for charitable giving. When we tell people there can be a tax benefit when you're strategic about charitable giving, then they ask us, Hey, how much should I give? No, no, no. Like my job's not to tell you how much you should give. You tell me how much you're going to give, and then let me teach you how to do that in a tax-efficient manner.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is the, the rules are constantly changing, uh, but I wouldn't say in a negative way. I'd say in a positive way, where before 529s were only used for, you know, uh, secondary education or, or undergraduate or graduate. And then they've kind of opened it up to trade schools, and then they've opened it up to even private schools and grade school along the way. So it almost opens it up that, that the scenarios of you not using those funds are less. And even in a recent legislation, uh, they, they're coming up with ideas of unused 529 plans. You use a portion of the money and roll it over to, I think it's a Roth IRA. And uh, it, it just makes me wonder, because I save in 529s now for my kids who are you know 8, 5, and 2. Um, I wonder what it'll look like 10, 15, 20 years from now. I'm sure the changes will continue, but I don't see them getting more uh, restricted. If anything, I see the opposite, where it kind of, uh encourages savers to contribute to those
0: 5.9s. Yeah, that flexibility is huge. Like uh, I use this word in an article that's probably not a common word in the English language, uh, is that idea of optionality. Like in financial planning, you love the idea when you don't always come up to a fork in the road, but you come up to a place in the road where you can go down 10 different paths. So what Sean's talking about is like, oh, you could use this for your kids. You could change the beneficiary to the grandkids. Um, You know, worst case scenario, there is a way you can do distributions and and take a penalty. Okay. There's now this idea that you can do conversions to take a portion to contribute to uh, your kids' Roth IRAs in the future. So, again, this optionality gives you a lot of flexibility. But one of the things that we wanted to reiterate in the article is that you should be sitting back making your financial wish list. What are these things that are important to you? and then ultimately crafting plans to try to satiate that wish list, right? So for me and maybe for Sean too, like we had this experience where, you know, we didn't go to the school of hard knocks, but it wasn't as easy for us to figure out a way to get through college. But we both had this similar anxiety where we're like, hey, we think this is important. So how do we juggle this? And I'm gonna give kudos to Sean because I had that anxiety as a a single person and I tried to solve it. He was married with kids um, and he saw that importance and figured out how to keep all those plates spinning at the same time. So if you gave Sean or I the option, like, hey, you could have gone to USC or UCLA or some of these other universities, we probably would have taken that option. It just wasn't in the cards for us. So when we start to learn from a planning perspective that you can make decisions and you can make plans that give your kids that optionality, it's huge. But then we introduce this idea of stewardship. We have to steward our children because we have to have this concept of, hey, where's this balance between hindering and helping? Uh, And I know we won't speak obviously about any specifics, but Sean has shared with me clients uh, that generation two uh, got this influx of wealth, and it was a huge hindrance. Right, like I don't even want to talk about some of these things on the podcast, but um, things of uh, addiction and trouble with the law and, and things like that. That I don't know. I don't think those were factors for for Sean and I a ton because we were scared out of our boots how how we could just survive in this world. So there's this balancing act that both of us as young dads are trying to figure out. Hey, how do you how do you do this right?
1: Yeah, I think that. Uh even if it's not on the extreme end of addiction or something like that, just the lack of motivation or or having skin in the game, that there is something to it when you have to figure out things yourself, um, you you sometimes find yourself uh, just applying yourself and and you just figure it out. Where if I, and I have seen firsthand where people kind of know, oh, I'm gonna be having a big inheritance. So the next five, 10 years don't really matter. Or if I do mess up, you know, I, I have a backstop, mom and dad, and, and I, I see that, and it, and it kind of triggers something for me that, like, oh my gosh, I didn't have that backstop, and I don't want my kids to, you know, pardon my French, but half ass things because they know that, oh, mom and dad are going to be there, or I'm going to get an inheritance. And uh, it kind of makes my skin crawl. So I, uh, I don't know, Trevor, make sure you hold me accountable. Don't don't let me do that.
0: <laughs> no, I won't. I mean, unless it comes to baseball, they can have the nicest bats, the nicest gear, That's all true. that stuff.
1: That's true. Or if it comes to my uh, baby girl, Olivia, I've already found myself that uh, I feel like sons are easier to raise because I already know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a total sucker with the baby girl.
0: That's funny. Yeah, I, you know, I always get this uh, visual in my head of like a trapeze, right? There's a huge difference if there's a safety net under you, right? Um, You're holding on for dear life and you're figuring out that you do everything precise, exact, on the right timing uh, if there's no safety net beneath you. And and I think that's the challenge, right? Again, we'll save it for another Thoughts on Money article. But really the focus today is that if in a legal manner you can avoid paying taxes, you should pay attention. So we talked about today how you can compound wealth uh, and avoid paying taxes when it's earmarked for college. And we use that word a lot, earmarked, right? The, in a planning world, if you can do a good job at earmarking, this is for future healthcare. This is for education. This is for retirement. Uh, Mr. IRS will give you some options, right? And some opportunity where you can avoid paying taxes, which is huge. Uh, and Sean and I have learned this both, right? We're not gonna have a conversation with somebody where we're gonna show them, like, hey, here's this amazing thing that you've never heard of that's gonna double your net worth tomorrow. That's not what we do, right? We find things on the fringes from a planning perspective that if you turn this knob, you pull this lever a little bit, you adjust here, and you let this compound for a long time, it makes a big difference, right? Again, we'll give you a visual. If you're in a big sailing boat and you turn the wheel a little bit, if you go long enough, you're gonna end up in a very different destination. And that's our job is to say, hey, can we move this a few degrees let you sail for a really long time and get you more aligned with the destination of where you want to be. Anything to add on uh, 529s or th- stuff we talked about today, Sean? Nope. Well said. Well, this is our first time doing it from from island to the 48 connected. So uh, hopefully this worked out well. We appreciate you listening. Uh, obviously, you can email Sean or I. It's an easy email to remember. It's tom, T O M, T O M, at the bonsa group.com. Uh, you can give us any of our. Comments uh, or any ideas of things that you'd like us to talk about in the future. We'll ask that you rate the podcast, five stars are preferred, and then we will be back next week with more of our top 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 money. Top.